Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Megan. You may have noticed that this week we did not put out a side piece on Tuesday. We have fall break with our kids this week, and so we kind of decided to take the week off. However, we are releasing an episode for you today. It was originally an episode that was only released on the Patreon. It was an extra episode that we sent to the Patreon a few weeks ago. You might remember episode 178, The Outlaw Who Wouldn't Die, the tragic bizarre tale of Elmer McCurdy and his life, but even more than that, what happened to him after he died. During that episode, I mentioned briefly the royalties that were paid to the Osage Nation and the insane rabbit hole I went down when I tried to figure out what that was all about. That's the episode you're about to hear. It is a story that I think is important for everyone to hear. That's why I wanted to release it off the Patreon so that as many people as possible can hear it. So take the time to listen and then tell other people about this story because I know I for one had never heard about it and I just think it's an important one to know. It is about murder and betrayal, the likes of which I have rarely seen and I just can't believe that I had never heard of this story. We'll be back next week with normal episodes. We love you. Goodbye. Hello, Patreon. Hello. Hey, we are breaking into your feed with a surprise episode. Surprise! This is one that if you listen to this week's Tuesday episode, which if you're listening later, it's, it will be, what I just say? Episode 178? 179, <laughs> something like that. It's about Elmer McCurdy. In that story, I mentioned the Osage Nation and royalties that are being paid to them for oil found on their reservation. And I had just looked it up because when questions pop in my head, when I'm reading mm-hmm. a story, I have to find the answer. Right. And I didn't expect it to be a whole nother like, story yeah, ordeal. that would work on the podcast, but it was. Here it is. So I'm going to now tell you the story of the Osage people and right. the horrible murders that happened. So I think I'm calling yesterday's episode the worst train robber ever. Right. I like <laughs> it. I like it. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, you don't have to hear it to understand this one, right. but I still think you should go listen to it first. If you heard it, you heard me talk about the Osage people. Hey, which is, this is a witch's magic murder. Right, right, right. I'm Megan. I'm Kara. Okay. Here we are. Okay. Let's do a quick history. Mm -hmm. I'm going to slip into teacher mode. The Osage Indians had lived in Kansas. And then after the Civil War, they sold their land in Kansas to the government Mm -hmm. and used those proceeds to purchase land in Oklahoma. Okay. The Osage were one of the few American Indian nations to buy their own reservation. And this reservation was approximately 1,470,000 acres. Oh, wow. Oklahoma is huge. That's 5,900 kilometers, Rachel. Man. Now, the government is supposed to be paying annuities to the Osage for the land in Kansas because, remember, they sold that Mm -hmm. land to the government. For about five years, they didn't receive their full annuity in cash. And this apparently happened a lot. It was during the Depression of the 1870s. And the people who were supposed to be delivering supplies and food to the Native Americans 
Instead, they would sell those supplies and give them lower quality food. So the Osage population declined by almost half Yeah, because the U.S. government did not provide adequate supplies, food, and clothing. And that was all considered part of their annuity payment. Right. So then a group of Osage went to Washington, D.C., and they were like, look, just give us our entire annuity Mm -hmm. in cash. They figured that way there wouldn't be any middleman to intercept food and supplies and sell them to other people. Right. The Osage were the first Native American nation to gain full cash payment of annuities. And I know you're wondering why I'm telling you all this, but it's important because I want everyone to understand that these people are smart. Right, exactly. They could see what was being done to them. They figured out a way to stop it. Yeah. They knew how to get it done. Yeah, for sure. At the end of the 19th century, this is when the U.S. government was really pushing for Native American assimilation. They were like, this is the best for all of us. Mm -hmm. Congress passed legislation that dismantled tribal governments as well as communal lands and they broke apart the reservations and they allotted the lands at 160 acres per household and then whatever's left was called surplus and they sold that to non-native americans okay this is really just a way to give white people right access to the uh-huh. land so the thing is since the osage owned their land the government couldn't just right. do that they were in a stronger position than some other tribes mm-hmm. and they didn't give it up so in 1894 Oil was discovered on land owned by the Osage. A man named Henry Foster had worked in oil production in Kansas. He approached the Bureau of Indian Affairs, BIA, to ask for exclusive privileges to explore the Osage Reservation for oil and natural gas. Henry actually died, but then his brother Edwin took over this quest. Adventure. I couldn't figure out. I was like, quest does not seem like the right word, but I couldn't figure out. Yeah. So anyway. The BIA said, sure, but you have to pay the Osage tribe a 10% royalty on all petroleum produced on the reservation. Oh. Those are the royalties that we're talking He's about. He's probably thinking, there's not going to be that. Exactly. In 1907, Congress was really pushing to make Oklahoma a state, and the Osage were holding up this process because they refused to give up their land. Okay. So, they were in a fairly good negotiating position. Right. Like, the government right. really wanted the land. Yeah. And the Osage had learned a lot about negotiating with the government back mm-hmm. when they sold their land in Kansas. And again, when they had to fight over annuities. So right. they worked out a pretty good deal. One U.S. senator called the Osage negotiator, this guy named Palmer, the most eloquent Indian alive at Ooh. the time. So here's the deal they negotiated. The Osage, they did end up having to accept the whole allotment thing. Right. But where other tribes had gotten 160 acres per household. Mm-hmm. Each of the 2,228 registered Osage members got 657 acres, so quite a bit more. Mm -hmm. And they retained their surplus land after allotment, and they apportioned it to individual members. Okay. This is the really important part of the story. They retained mineral rights to what was below the surface of the land. So, of course, because of the Foster Brothers... The Osage knew that there was oil on their Mm -hmm. land, which is why they were smart enough to be like, you know what? We want the mineral rights. Right. But at that time, they could never have guessed how much. Right, exactly. As it turns out, the Osage were sitting on a fortune. Oh, my gosh. So basically, each member of the tribe received what they called a head right, which just means it was a share in Mm -hmm. the mineral trust. Yeah. The tribe would receive all the royalties in one lump sum, and then they paid them out in percentages based on the head right. Okay. Here's another thing to know. An Osage member's head right could not be bought or sold. It could only be inherited by legal heirs. Okay. So the government leased the lands for oil development on behalf of the Osage, and then the companies paid royalties to the Osage. Mm -hmm. 
So just to give you an idea of the amount of money we're talking about, in 1923 alone, the Osage earned $30 million in royalty, which would be like $400 million today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Osage were called the richest nation, clan, or social group of any race on earth, including the whites, man for man. Yeah. What the Osage did with their money was covered in newspapers across the country. So people around the United States are reading about how the Osage were buying fancy cars and fancy clothes Mm -hmm. and sending their kids to private schools and traveling to Europe. And to the surprise of absolutely none of you listening to this podcast, white people did not like seeing these super rich, non-white people. Mm. I mean, to them, the Native Americans were not. Right. They're beneath them. Yes. So at that point, the Osage were the wealthiest people per capita in the world. Amazing. Let's all get ready to get angry because of course this happens. White people decided that the Osage simply couldn't manage their own money. They did? Uh Uh-huh. They didn't like the way they were spending. They needed to help out. Never mind all the very smart money moves that the Osage had made in the past. Leading up to this, yeah. Also, never mind any of the really dumb money moves made by any white person. Exactly. Like, as if your skin color somehow means that, oh, you're going to be good good with money? money? Listen. No. Mm -mm. I'm not. No, same. In 1921, Congress passed a law to appoint guardians Mm -hmm. for each Osage of half-blood or more. And those guardians would manage their royalties until the Osage person demonstrated competency. Did you catch that I said half blood or more? Meaning, if you were less than half Osage, so mostly white, Mm -hmm. you did not have to have the guardian. I mean, I just want to, like, I have chills right now. I want to throw my computer across the room. I'm so angry still about this. If you were a minor, even if your parents were still alive, it didn't matter what percentage of your blood was Osage. You had to have a guardian no matter what. Wait, so what? it would be like Lauren, like I'm right here. Mm-hmm. I'm her mother. Mm-hmm. And someone else who's white Monitors. would be in charge of her money. Oh, oh my And in God. case this isn't obvious, the guardians were white. Obviously. They were mostly um, local white lawyers and businessmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're so good at it. <sighs> so, uh, all right. So that's. The history, right? right? I haven't even got into the story yet, but we're already irritated. There's already right. crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a crime. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have an understanding of how we got here and what's at stake, here we go. Molly Burkhart was an Osage woman born in the 1880s. Okay. So she knew what life was like before and after the oil thing was happened. Was she full blood? Yes. Okay. And suddenly she's one of the wealthier people in the country mm-hmm. living in a mansion, married to a white guy named Ernest Burkhart. And they've got a couple kids. Okay. On May 21st, 1923, Molly's mother, Lizzie, I'm going to say a lot of names, but I'll try to remind you as we go about who everybody is. So Molly's mother, Lizzie, was really sick, and she was at Molly's house. So Molly calls her sister, Anna, and she's like, can you please come help take care of her? Yeah. I don't know how she called her. It's 1923. Not on their cell phone. Right. No, no, no. When Anna arrives at Molly's house, she's drunk. Okay. That wasn't super unusual. Um, Anna was 34 years old, one oh, of four okay. sisters, and she was known to be the wildest. Gotcha. Of the so Anna was divorced, and she liked to go out drinking and dancing. And she's like, look, I'm here. Yeah, right. She didn't want to be there. She wanted to go out. So yeah. she shows up drunk at Molly's house. It didn't go over real well. Mm. And once she sobered up a bit, Ernest's brother, Brian Burkhart, he's like, I'll take her home. 
Molly never saw her sister again. Oh no, she didn't make it home. And when Brian was questioned about it, he's like, "I don't. I dropped her off at her house. I'm not. I don't know." Mm-hmm. So on May twenty seventh, nineteen twenty one, Anna's lifeless body is found in a ravine. Oh, and at first, local authorities look at her and they're like, "That's eh, probably she was drunk, alcohol she, yeah. poisoning. It's accidental." But later, the coroner's discovered a bullet hole. In the back of Anna's head, Mm. showing that this was no accident. Right. Anna wasn't married. She didn't have any kids. So her mother, Lizzie Kyle, who I was told you earlier is sick, she's the one who inherited Anna's estate and her head right. Throughout all of this, Lizzie is still sick and she's getting sicker. She's losing weight and is obviously weak and it's getting worse day by day. Right. And nobody really knows why. Hmm. After two months of this, Lizzie passes away. Eventually, it was discovered that Lizzie had been poisoned. Oh, my gosh. So now we have Anna has been shot and Anna's mother has been poisoned. Um, In a two-month period. just like, okay. Yeah. Molly has lost her sister and her mother. She'd actually lost another sister three years before all of this. Her name was Minnie. Oh, my gosh. They said that Minnie died of, quote, a peculiar wasting disease. Oh. And when Lizzie was dying, people were like, this seems just like that wasting disease. Is this hereditary? Yeah. Yeah. So it stands to reason that Minnie was probably poisoned as well. So at that point, Lizzie had already inherited the head rights of her late husband as well as her two daughters. Right. So when she dies, her heirs gain quite a bit of wealth through her death. And her heirs were Molly, of course, Mm -hmm. as well as one more daughter, Rita. Okay. Rita lived in a house near Molly. And on the night of March 10th, 1923, Molly is woken up by an explosion at about three o'clock in the morning. Oh, she gets up, goes to the window, and she sees this huge fireball right where her sister's house had been. Oh, my God. Someone had used a bomb to blow up Rita's house, killing Rita, her husband, and a white servant who lived there. Oh, no. Local law enforcement wasn't super helpful. Oh, they weren't? No. Oh. For any number of reasons. Like, they had their own biases. Mm-hmm. They didn't care as much about crimes committed against yeah. non-white people. They'd been paid to look the other way. They were simply like incompetent. That may still apply today. I mean, I, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. In my opinion. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't just Molly Burkhart's family members that were being murdered. There were Osage people dying regularly. Oh, my God. Most often, they were poisoned because that was easier to get away with. But sometimes, right. they were simply shot. Jesus. So, Molly turns to her husband's uncle for help. His name is William Hill. He was a super powerful, wealthy white man. And people called him the king of the Osage Hills. Okay. So something happened. He's like the the right person to have on your side. He called himself a true friend of the Osages. I'm not sure if that's plural. Of the Osage. (laughs) Who knows, really? Someone knows. I'm sure the fact that his nephew was married to Molly helped. You know, like that kind of gained him Mm -hmm. trust. He donated money to schools and hospitals. Mm. He called Anna a mighty good friend. And he's just a good guy, right? So he told Molly he'd help. He offered his own money as a reward for Mm -hmm. the capture of not only Anna's killer, but the killer of another Osage in the area as well. Okay. I'm trying to only focus on Molly's story. Right. But it's hard because there are a lot of deaths happening all at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Meanwhile, the Osage looked to the federal government for help. Okay. And they enlist a man named Barney McBride. Barney. I know. And they're like, can you please go to Washington, D.C. Right. And speak for us. Yeah. Barney's a white guy, but the Osage consider him a friend. Okay. And Barney's like, yes, of course, I will go there. So he goes to D.C. And when he gets to where he's staying for the night, he receives a telegram. And all it says is, be careful. Yeah. 
Later that evening, he walks out of the boarding house. Someone puts a bag over his head and oh, takes no. him away. His naked body is found the following morning, beaten and stabbed. Oh, no. This, and we can't ignore that it's the murder of one white man rather than the murder of several non-white people. Right. Is what makes this Are a nationwide news story. This is what finally makes it but like. He was there to help him. Yeah. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Kara and I received a couple of the products. Oh my we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay, so I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately mm-hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over yeah. the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing you know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like oh my gosh this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's right. gonna be so tangled not with this one nice. and it's magnetic so it's great so right now you guys our listeners can get 30 percent off their first order at timobeauty.com t-y-m-o beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Menopausal and perimenopausal women, listen up. It's time to take control of your health and comfort and Winona is here to help. Winona is a telemedicine company for menopause care who believes that your symptoms are real, important, and deserve to be taken seriously. And for many women, this starts with hormone replacement therapy. Winona's HRT is made with plant-based, bioidentical hormones rather than synthetic ones, so it better aligns with your body to offer relief from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. So what are you waiting for? Get started today. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use code SPRING24 at buywinona.com for 25% off your first treatment plan. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com for 25% off. Winona, menopause care made easy. Then another white guy steps up. His name is W.W. Vaughn. He's an attorney and he wants to do something to help. So he's going to go talk to the Osage. And before he leaves, he tells his wife, hey, I'm putting a bunch of money Mm -hmm. and some important documents in the safe for you in case something happens to me. 
because he knew what had happened to Barney, right. so he knew exactly. it was dangerous. He already started collecting evidence about the murders, so he put that in the safe too. So he goes to Oklahoma City to meet up with George Bigheart, mm-hmm. an Osage tribe member who was currently in the hospital due to being poisoned. Oh my God. Bigheart has suspicions about who's behind the murders. Okay. And he gives documents to Vaughn to back up his claims. Vaughn takes those documents and he calls the local sheriffs and he's like, I've got enough evidence against one of the killers. I'm taking the train and I'll be back. But he doesn't come back. Oh, no. His naked body is found the next day along the railroad tracks. Hmm. He had been thrown from the train and his neck was broken. And George Bigheart died at the hospital the same morning. Oh, my gosh. Then Vaughn's wife goes to the safe to get the money and documents he'd left for her. And the safe is empty. (gasps) Here's the thing. Vaughn didn't make a big announcement about yeah, what he was doing, doing. Yeah. or that he was putting things in the safe. Right. So the fact that someone knew, We're that meant that someone he trusted had actually been involved. My God. And just like the other guy, Barney McBride, the fact that whoever killed him was able to follow him to right. D.C. Yeah, and get it done. Yeah. yeah. These are people who mm-hmm. have a lot of power. Yeah. This is the point that it becomes known as the Osage Reign of Terror. Mm. At least 24 Osage people who had guardians appointed by the courts had been murdered. And several people who had tried to catch the murderers have also been killed. 24 is the official FBI count. Mm -hmm. By 1925, at least 60 wealthy Osage had died and their land had been inherited or deeded to their guardians who were, again, white lawyers and businessmen. Mm. So imagine... Mm-hmm. being an Osage person during this time. Yeah. Imagine raising your children like this. Imagine being a child. Yep. Just old enough to understand that people want you dead because you're Osage. And that's it. That's absurd. And now the FBI gets involved. Okay. Except then the FBI was not what it is today. Right. I don't even think it was called the FBI yet. Right. It was this tiny branch of the Justice Department. It had very little jurisdiction over crime, mm-hmm. but it did have jurisdiction over the reservations. Okay. And that's how it became involved. And this was actually the FBI's very first murder case. Oh. And it's a doozy. Oh, yeah. So they're like, oh, yeah. Where do we start? <laughs> the FBI, like I said, it wasn't really called that then. Right. They put together a group of men who went undercover for two years oh, to find wow. out who was behind the systematic murder of wealthy Osage men and women. Okay. They pretty much discovered this whole, like, complicit community of, like, yeah. If you weren't involved, you were at least involved because you were complicit in right. staying silent. Right. And it would be like coroners and other mm-hmm. law enforcement, things like that. Like maybe you weren't murdering. Right. And but some of them were weren't somehow. But right. But you knew something was off yeah. and you didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know that super helpful, powerful guy Molly went to for help? The brother of the William Hale. Or the uncle of the whatever. Yeah. Her husband's uncle. He was the head of the crime ring. <gasps> and it involved his nephews. Ernest and Brian Burkhart. They were killing her family. Yeah. Ernest is Molly's husband. They had children. That are also entitled to these funds. And remember how Brian was the last one to see Anna before she died? I got chills again. I hate this. So William, Ernest, and Brian had moved to Osage County from Texas to find work in the oil fields. Oh, God. And when they learned about the wealth of the Osage and the royalties being paid to them and how the headrights worked, They came up with this plan. 
William Hill's goal was to get as many of those head rights as possible. I mean, think about it. They moved there to work in the oil fields mm-hmm. and they see the Osage and they're like, I'm a white person. And I'm working my butt off. Why should I have to getting work? this and traveling and yeah. getting fancy cars? And, you know, the head rights can't be bought or sold. You have to inherit them. So he convinced his nephew, Ernest, to marry Molly Kyle, a full-blood Osage. Oh, like, that was the plan. It's not like and she he's she killing people and he happened to fall in love with one. To, exactly. Oh, my God. So, Hell arranged the murders of Molly's sisters, her brother-in-law, and her mother, as well as any other members of her family who might somehow gain head right, so that William and his nephews could cash in on insurance policies oh, and inherit head rights. My God. As all of Molly's family was killed off, she and Ernest became the sole heirs to all, all of those head rights. Yeah. Molly had actually started to fear that she was being poisoned at home. And she mentioned this to her priest. And her priest was like, do not touch liquor under any circumstances. Which he probably told her anyway. Right. But, and he told the FBI right. about it. And it turns out she was right. Oh, my God. Ernest was already trying to poison her slowly, probably just like he'd done to many Because the kids would get... Mm-hmm. her stuff too oh my god but molly recovered Good so her it wasn't in the liquor um william had she, she hadn't been feeling well and william was having her get they were insulin mm-hmm. heavy quotes insulin injections and so the fbi was like mm, we're gonna take you to our health care and yeah. it was basically like yeah as soon as we got her out of the control of william hale and ernest burkhart she started getting better oh my god and we stopped those whatever they were injecting in her oh my god so since they caught it she lived and this wasn't an isolated incident. Yeah. William Hill was the head of this particular ring, but his nephews weren't the only ones involved. It was this big, complex scheme to swindle the Osage people out of their money. My God. It involved these white men getting very close to the members of the Osage tribe in order to get their head rights. Oh, I just want to punch them in the face. I can't imagine just being like so heartless right. that you would marry a woman and have children with her yes knowing yeah you're going to kill her and everyone she loves right exactly all for me another of the men murdered was a full-blooded osage he was not related to molly but he was named henry rowan he had actually called william hill his best friend william was listed as a beneficiary on henry's life insurance policy and it turns out that william had promised a man five hundred dollars and a new car to murder <gasps> the guy that called him his best friend. Oh, my God. An author named David Grant wrote a book about the Osage murders. And in an interview with NPR, he said, these were deeply intimate crimes. And it's what makes yeah. it so barbaric. These were crimes committed by people who the victims trusted. Many cases thought they loved. And it involved a level of betrayal and almost Shakespearean level of dishonesty, mm. of hiding your face, hiding the conspiracy. And for someone like Molly Burkhart to have to reckon when she begins to discover that the very people she knew enough Ooh. and trusted were the very people who were targeting her family, I could never fully fathom what that must have been like for her. Oh, my God. I put here again, Ernest had children with he her. I just cannot convinced her that he loved her mm-hmm. and they had kids and those kids called him dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, her mother stayed in their home while she died. And her sister came over drunk to help take care of mom and Mm -hmm. lost her life. So William Hill, Ernest and Brian Burkhardt, and one of William's ranch hands all went on trial for the murder of Molly Kyle's family. That ranch hand is someone who 
you know, he gave right. a story saying he was involved in Anna's okay. death. I was just trying to keep more names out of this. Right, story. right. Think about this. Ernest goes to trial. Molly has to sit there and listen to all of the evidence. Oh, God. And learn about this man that she thought loved her, the father right. of her children. And he had been part of the conspiracy. Who's supposed to be family as well. Yeah. <gasps> to murder her family and her. Can you imagine? He was probably sitting there comforting her. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, she turned to her husband for comfort. The men were found guilty and Molly divorced Ernest. No, good for her. Molly Burkhart remarried in 1928. And she died of unrelated causes on June 16th, 1937 at 50 years old. And her children inherited all of her estate. Oh. William and Ernest were eventually paroled. Are you kidding me? In 1947. Ernest actually robbed a bank after that. So he goes back to prison and he gets out again in 1959. He spent his last years in a trailer home with his brother, Brian. And get this, I I just, in 1965, Oklahoma Governor Henry Bellman Mm -hmm. granted Ernest a full pardon. A full pardon? I'm sorry, why? For what? How? You. Uh, When I read that, I was like, this is a good idea. How is that a pardon? Why would you do that? Hmm. So, remember that interview I mentioned with David Grand, the author at Mm -hmm. NPR? He said he received a note from a descendant of Ernest Burkhardt that said, I'm very ashamed of what my ancestors did. If you speak to the Osage, will you please tell them that for me? I know it almost makes me want to cry. Yeah. I can't imagine. Well, and that's another thing that the links, you know, in the show notes as always, you can read some of this. That that interview in particular, just look for the NPR article. It's fascinating. Oh, it's very long. Yeah. But, um. He talked about speaking with a woman who is a Osage ancestor mm-hmm. who still lives there in mm-hmm. Osage County. And that's the thing. There in that county still lives the descendants of right. Osage and white people. Right. And she's like, we all live there side by side. A lot of these white people don't really even know what their ancestors right. did. Exactly. But we all live there. Right. We don't know exactly how many Osage died for their money. This is the big thing. This is the big takeaway. <laughs> The FBI caught William Hale and his crew. Right. But that was just one, one of, the, of the group. Yeah. Right. One slice of the pie. This was happening everywhere. Right. And that's Osage what I was going to say. I'm sure that there were several people that yes. were like, look at all this. There were other William Hales. Yeah. You know, there were other yeah. people doing the same thing. Yeah. And the deaths didn't stop with William right. Hale's arrest. Right. Like there were yeah. other people out there just running their own little schemes. Oh, God. Like I said, the FBI's official murder count is 24. We know that's a very low right, estimate. Yeah. They call it 60. But then Osage historian Louis Byrne said, I don't know of a single Osage family that did not lose at least one family oh, member God. because of head rights. A federal agent who investigated the reign of terror on the reservation said, there are so many of these murder cases. There are hundreds and hundreds. Oh, my God. Most of the victims probably died through poisoning, which was hard to detect and easy to explain away. Right, exactly. Alcohol poisoning. And with so many people being complicit in their silence, how do you even go back? And you don't. Yeah. Yeah. There was an article about a guy who was like, Yeah, you walk through a cemetery and you'll be shocked at the number of young people who died in the early 1920s. Oh my God. This is what. Gross. People are gross. This is what people did to them. Because they thought, you don't deserve. Right. You've done nothing. We're working our butts off. Here's the other thing. I could have done probably another half hour on this. Because after this, the government still kept 
the Osage money in a trust. Mm -hmm. And like, I think it was in 2001 or it could have been 2010. I just remember one being in there somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere. It happened. In pretty much all the sources. Right. You'll see this. But the Osage end up suing the government for mismanagement of their funds because they're like, we're not getting all of the money we're supposed to be getting. And the government settled. It was one of the largest settlements the government's ever had to do in history. And that was, that's been in the last 20 years. Yeah. They did make a law, but it was not much. But it was like the only people who can inherit the head right, they have to be full-blooded Osage Mm -hmm. to keep white people from coming in and doing that. But it didn't, it was kind of a for show law to be like, look, we're doing something, but it didn't really help. No. And what about those ones that had already married the white men who had kids with them and then their kids don't get that money? That is, yes. So that's another thing that happened. Um, and again, I didn't write this part down, so I can't remember all the details yeah. of it. But it was like they did this cutoff where they they made that law. Mm-hmm. But they were like, but if you were considered a legal heir before this year, then you're still considered a legal heir. So a whole lot of these people were not right. really. And they probably murdered to get the hair yeah. rights. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Allegedly, in mm-hmm. my opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But. <sighs> oh, my God. People. Yeah. Horrible. I just couldn't believe it. The whole thing about the government in like, America, we should probably control their money for them because mm-hmm. we're white, which makes us inherently mm-hmm. smarter. Yeah. That's why I gave you all the history lesson at the beginning. Right. They were great with, they knew what they were doing. They just had a whole lot of money to spend. So, right. of course, they were spending it extravagantly. Of course, who wouldn't? The other thing is, if they want to blow all their money and right. whatever. That's on them. What is it? Yeah. Why do you get to decide that's not okay? Yeah. yeah. I cannot stand it. Because you're so jealous that you want that money to blow up. Yeah. You let white people mismanage their money. Right. Exactly. Every day. All day. Do you see how much debt? But the brown people can't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, you're in worse shape that the national debt is in. (laughs) There we go. There's our Hamilton reference. I just get, I just, this makes me so mad. This whole case just. It's absurd. I cannot believe the evil of the people who would get close to Osage just to murder them. And. Not just close, y'all. Real close. Real, Real close. close. Inside. <laughs> close. Yeah. And on top of that, you got the government being like, yeah, we should. That's too much money for. We need to fix For this non, and non-white people to have. Earn money on their money. I just. In a bank. I just can't. But again, I'd never heard of this. No. And we should know stories like this. Right, exactly. You know? Oh, God. Oh, there you go. There's there's our Patreon story. I hope yeah. y'all enjoyed it. <laughs> well, well, well. I do encourage you to go through the sources and read, especially that NPR article. Yeah. And I am planning on getting David Grant's book, too, because right. he goes into so much detail just in the NPR article yeah. that I'm like, man, that it's gotta be good. book's going to be mm-hmm. great. Because they said that he also, in the book, went through and tried to sort of figure out who some other people Oh, some okay. other of the murderers. Okay, like the other William Hales, right. like who yeah. they might have been. Yeah. So that's the part I'm most interested mm-hmm. in reading. So if any of you um, want to read that book, right, I'll put a link to it in the show notes too. I'm going to read it. Y'all read it. I'd love to talk about it. Right, for sure. Okay. All right. Go out there and be better. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care if you're better with your money. Just don't try to be better with other people's money when they don't want yeah. you to be. That's what kills me. It's yeah. like, why do you? Let them blow their money. It's their money. Yeah. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.